eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. We're now joined by Brent Boone, host of the Boone Podcast, Odyssey Original, featuring the most notable names in Major League Baseball and around sports every week. We uh, were talking a little bit yesterday. Brent didn't really want to talk too much about the Padres just because it was almost an irrelevant topic, and then all of a sudden this big story came down, but... I know you're on your on on the road, getting ready to travel a little bit. How's your Friday morning going? It's going good, Braden. What's going on? Yeah, I, I, uh, I got up. I heard there was a big article today, but yeah, I'm headed to I'm headed to Seattle tonight, actually for for the game. I'll be back tomorrow. Quick trip and a quick uh, that was a quick little turnaround for the Seattle Mariners this year, Brett. How about that? You know, I was at the All Star game um, for that All Star week. And and Seattle always does a great job. And the last time the game was there was oh one that I was there for. They did another, you know, red carpet event. It was it was really well done. They always do in Seattle. I mean they do everything first class. But the overwhelming just walking around in Seattle during that time, the one thing I heard from fans, players, <clears throat> people still affiliated with the Seattle Mariners was, Man, we just wish our team was doing better with all this going on in Seattle and then ever since then you know, they've been there with, with the best team in baseball as far as winning percentage for the last two months, got himself right back in the race. So it should be fun this tonight going and, and seeing, because that, that city, you know, I played there a lot of years where that city was was really on fire for the Seattle Mariners, and it's a, it's a really cool cool atmosphere when that's going on. Let's talk a little bit about this this article, and I'm going to kind of lay some things out for you and in, in just in, in, in terms of, of being a former Major League Baseball player. It's been part of a lot of different organizations and cultures, and 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 ones that have been successful and ones that weren't successful. Um, you know, it's kind of the importance of it. And in this article, it talks about how no, there's no central leadership for the Padres, and how you know a lot of different things have have gone south, and and not everybody's pulling the rope in the right direction. It doesn't seem like you know the players are engaged as much as they should be. And there's there's this lack of engagement and there's lack of this you know accountability in the organization. And the one thing that that really is pointed out in here is 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 a lot of different things where 
you know, some things fall on deaf ears and some people in the organization need to be a lot better. I want to ask you, you know, just from a standpoint of a baseball team and being able to take care of the little things, we hear that cliche all the time. You know, in your time playing baseball, I mean, how much does a culture mean and what the clubhouse is like for a major league baseball team, for a professional sports organization in terms of having success? Is it important or is it only what happens in between the lines? It's really important, but you create culture. Culture is not just, oh, we're going to have a great culture. Usually you put a good group of guys together pulling on the same end of the rope and, and winning solves all that. When you win, there's it's always a great culture, doesn't it seem like? And when you lose, it's like, oh, there's a culture problem. <clears throat> Things that go on in winning seasons, uh, first you got to think, this is the big leagues. When you get to the big leagues, you're expected to be a finished product. It's not the minor leagues. We're not in A-ball working on our skills. When you get called to the big leagues and you play every day, you are a finished product, and, and you're treated as such. Get yourself ready individually to do the best job you can from 7 to 10 every night. The great teams I've been on, uh, it doesn't mean when, you know, I, I, was re- I was touching a little bit on the article about early work and all that stuff. These guys are veteran players. These guys are, I mean, you look at that Padre lineup, it's star-packed. Yeah, I know there were big uh expectations going into this season just because of the the names on the roster you know i had huge expectations for the padres it hasn't worked out this year but the great teams i've been on guys you're professionals you're at the top level you're well aware of what you need to get ready for each and every game and the teams that have won we've done that there's never a problem the teams that have lost start nitpicking. we got to find a reason why we're not winning. (laughs) And fingers start to get pointed. It gets to be a toxic atmosphere. Now players start resent coming to the ballpark, especially this time of the season uh, when you're pretty much out of it. You're out of it. Well, I found in those years, you got to find a reason to play for something. Whatever would ever get you motivated in the morning individually to get up and say, all right, we got to win tonight for whatever. Play the spoiler. You know, somebody's coming to town, they got a chance to get to the playoffs, we're going to knock them out of the playoffs. you got to find something. And the great teams and the resilient teams that have come back, say, the next year, had that capacity to do stuff, keep the finger pointing to a minimal, regroup this offseason and come back. But but that that's my take kind of on culture and not culture. Usually comes down to winning or not winning. If you're not winning, everybody's going to look at everything. When you're winning, it's kind of like, doesn't matter, just keep it rolling. That makes sense. We're joined by Odyssey Baseball Insider Brett Boone, who joins us on the Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad Fan Hotline. I'm Braden Supranet, filling in for Ben and Woods. Talking about this Kevin Acey article about the San Diego Padres. Last time, you know, when you and I were at Alesmith, you know, the Padres the night before had this big team meeting, and we talked about it, and you made it clear, and, and I agree with you. I mean, you get one team meeting a year, and after that it falls on deaf ears. We've gotten some insight on that in this Kevin Acey article, Brett, so I want to get your reaction to this. If, as if you were a player as part of this team, if this happened on a team that you were a part of, Padres had some estimated eight or nine team meetings this year, some solely among players and others that involved members of the uniform staff in our front office, and all of them 
It felt like an agreement had been reached and plans had been laid out to get the team on the path of cohesion. Machado was a primary speaker in virtually all of them. And then it comes down to a lot of the things they talked about, Brett, were showing up on time to meetings and buses, pregame work, executing unselfish at-bats, demonstrating a sense of engagement on the base pass or elsewhere. And not only was, and it's more than just Manny Machado, but the it says in the article the voices that were bringing all of these up were the players that ultimately didn't follow up on the actions in which that they wanted to portray to the team that they need to work on. When you're part of those team meetings, you've and you kind of discussed this a couple of months ago, I mean, for you as a player, whether you're a leader or one of the guys in the clubhouse, if the guy running the meeting says, we got to do this, and then he's the one that's not doing it, I would imagine that's kind of a problem in the clubhouse. Without a doubt. And that's why uh, words don't really mean that much. All the great, especially when I was a young player, and I was kind of, you know, <clears throat> finding my way to, to be that veteran player one day. The leaders to me weren't the guys that spoke the words. They're not the guys that get up on the soapbox and give you a rah-rah, shiskumba speech, and you walk away going, wow, that was really deep. The leaders I found were the, were the guys that I wanted to be like one day. The way, they, the way they got their work done, the way they took the field, the way they behaved their professionalism, not what they said, what they did. And those are the guys that were true leaders. Some of, some of the greatest players I've played with didn't say much. It's how they went about their business. That's what you want to be for a young player, especially being a young player, still coming in your own and, and putting in the work to be a veteran player one day. It's, I don't look to the guy that's going to tell me stuff. Or, or say a certain thing. Yeah, you can say stuff that sounds great. I want to see a guy that walks the walk, that comes to the yard, that does the work, that plays the game the right way. You know, you talk about at-bats, situational at-bats. We've kind of gotten away from that in the game of baseball. The greatest team I was ever on was the 2001 Mariners. <clears throat> and it was unbelievable. And the reason I think the camaraderie and, and the – the aura in the clubhouse was so good. And I'll give you a quick story and I'll get out. It's Edgar Martinez. I went to him one day and I, and I, I used to hit in front of him, but I was watching this game and it was, I think it was eight to two or nine to two in the seventh. We're, we're, we're killing him. There's a runner on second. There's an out. He hits a one hop ground ball to the second baseman. And I knew I was watching from the, from the dugout. And I, I knew he did it on purpose. And I'm like, nine to two, why is Edgar giving himself up? I came back, I asked him. I said, Poppy, I, you, you hit that ball the other way on purpose? He said, yeah. He said, I wasn't trying to make it out. I was trying to get a hit. I said, yeah, but <clears throat> why aren't you hitting for yourself in that position? You're up seven runs. And he said, Brett, because that's the way you play the game. And it doesn't matter what the score is. You play the game the right way all the time. That guy on deck might need, might need to drive in a run. He hasn't driven a run in in a week. And it hit me. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I had the opportunity later to do that for John Olerud, who was hitting behind me. He hit a sack, sack fly the next pitch. Now, all of a sudden, Johnny Olerud, who's a huge part of this team, just drove in a run. And he hadn't driven in a run in three days. And it snowballs. And it builds. And if Edgar Martinez is the leader of 
playing the game the right way at all times, well, then that 26 man on the roster, damn well, he's going to do it too. And that's how you create a great culture. It's not about telling people what to do. It's about showing them and them, them noticing and coming up to you and going, wow, that's how you play the game. We've gotten away from that a little bit in baseball. And uh, I'd love to see it come back. But these are just things. What's going on? Yeah, this, this article will come. We'll talk about it a lot today, and it, it'll fade. It comes down to the, the Padres have really had, had an underwhelming year. They had big expectations. I look at this roster. I still can't figure it out. It's like you've got, on paper, the best offense in baseball, and you've pitched at the top of the league all year, yet you're 20 games out of the division. It makes no sense. There's obviously something internal going on, and I, and I found this. The only people that really know truly what's going on are the 26 guys in that clubhouse. Once I was a, when I was a player, I knew everything. Once I retired and I was an ex-player, I knew a lot, but I didn't know the stuff those guys in the clubhouse knew. Those are the only guys that know what's going on. We can speculate all you want. You know, I, I look at it and I think, well, you got Fernando Tatis that, you know, had a little bit of a scandal a year ago. Came back to the team. He's a shortstop. He's a young star, one of the most talented players in all of baseball. And he's a shortstop, and all of a sudden he's in right field. Well, Manny, or, or I'm sorry, Tatis comes back, and he's kind of hat in hand thinking, i, I got to get good with my teammates again. He plays right field, plays a great right field. If you're a great shortstop, you can play anywhere on the park. you got a Cronenworth-type player playing second base. All of a sudden, he's asked to play first base. I know the ego's involved. When you're a middle infielder, you're at two elite positions. And then when you're asked to go to first, it's almost like a slap on the slap in the face, like, wait a minute. I'm a middle infielder. I don't play first base. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying this is what it's really like internally in that clubhouse. So is that a problem? I don't know. Cronenworth might not have any problem with it whatsoever. Tatis might not have a problem with it whatsoever playing right field. I don't know that. I'm just, if we're going to sit here and speculate, that could be a little issue that nobody really talks about that much. Brett, a lot of great insight as always coming from a former player. Real quick, because I get going, uh, what do you got on the podcast this week and uh, coming up next week? Podcast. I got uh, Sean McDonough uh, coming up next week and uh, a buddy of mine who's been in Seattle, he's retiring this year, his name is Larry Stone. Uh, he's been on the beat up there in Seattle for 30 years. Great insight. Uh, I'm going to sit down with him. He's going to retire in November and, and it it makes sense that I'm going up to Seattle for the game tonight and going to sit down with him. So those are the next two, and then uh, who knows after that. We'll keep them rolling, Braden. I appreciate the uh, the insight as always. Look forward to tuning into those podcasts this week. Brett, thanks again for the time. Really appreciate it. Enjoy your trip. My pleasure. Thank you.